Carlisle. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. Let's settle in to find that sacred space here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, so let's get started. Today's podcast is titled, You Say Abomination Like It's a Bad Thing. And the subtitle is, When Scripture is Weaponized to Dehumanize. Now, the title of this week's blog and podcast is a poke at those who use the word abomination as a smackdown. It's tossed out to accuse anyone who doesn't look like, love like, believe like they do. And uh, especially over this past year, I have been called an abomination a time or two. So I've been re- on the receiving end of that smackdown, but I also recall when I believed in that scriptural interpretation that I had the right to tell people that they were abomination. So this is really something that I want to dive into to today, especially for those of you who are recovering from religious trauma as I am. So when you've been raised to believe that as truth, and you've been indoctrinated to believe that your faith is the only way to believe, and your beliefs then empower you to weaponize your faith by hurling judgment and insult at others, then abomination flows out of your mouth as if you're just asking for a glass of water. So consider this, the only way some Christians, notice I say some, Some Christians are known in the world only through their toxicity. So pause and consider that. The only way some Christians are known in the world is through their toxicity. Now, it's true that that can be said about just about anybody or about anything. So it's also an opportunity to check ourselves and consider how we are showing up. How many negative comments have we left on other people's uh, social media platforms? How have our words to our loved ones been, to our colleagues? How have we treated people in the service industry? Remember them? Because not very long ago, they became essential during the pandemic. Yet we seem to have forgotten that, and they are still underpaid and underworked and underserved. So if you're looking for a quick contemplative practice, just use this one. How did I show up today? And if you're not happy with what some of what you reflect on, then what can you do to show up a better version of yourself tomorrow? Quick, easy spiritual practice, just something you might want to consider. Before today, we're speaking about abomination and how some Christians are only seen through their hostility or their hostile words. That to me is not what spirituality is about, but it is one of the most common reasons People are leaving church because of the hostility or the hostile or the toxic Christian. And I cannot emphasize this enough because if you are listening to the church or organized religion, the reasons they're saying people are leaving religion is markedly different than what is being found outside in in the data that can be sourced that's independent from a denominational's viewpoint or how they want to control the narrative. So for instance, Pew Research Center did a report a couple of years ago, and I'll put a link in the show notes for it that that talks about why people are leaving church. And one of the first reasons they are is because their views evolved. And a lot of times that includes experience or becoming uh, connected with people who aren't like you 
I remember a TikTok I just saw recently where someone was talking about education and he was very much uh, against um, any kind of liberal thought and any kind of belief that wasn't Christian. And he said, you all think you, you go to high school, you go to college, and then you think that you're better off because of that, but that's not true. They taught you lies. I found that very alarming that this person actually included high school in that, because what does that mean for the kind of experience or education for those in his circle, in his familial circle, what kind, what's happening with those children that really concerns me that there are people out there who feel like that there's some kind of uh, skewed or dangerous view that comes from simply attending high school. They also uh, think that the religion is something that is hypocritical, and they're also tired of the toxicity that they see evidenced very much so by what you see now. Now, a couple days ago, I saw a video of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And if you don't know who she is, she is a representative from uh, Georgia who's now in the Senate. And this woman concerns me greatly. I'll be honest with you, not that I like to talk a lot about politics, but she said something very disturbing a few um, months ago where she was equating the, the need to wear masks with the oppression and the suffering and the horror of the Holocaust. Um, she did take it upon herself to go visit the Holocaust Museum. I'm sure her PR people had a lot to do with it because she took a lot of uh, heat for making that com comment. And then she held a press conference to let us know everything that she had learned and to let us know about her mistakes. But I'm going to agree with one of my fellow uh, TikTokers, North Omaha Cat Lady, if you're not following her, you should, who said, How in the world do you get to middle aged? And you are patting yourself on the back for coming to realize that the Holocaust was real, her exact words during the press conference, that the Holocaust was real. And she apologized for equating the, the wearing of masks. I personally am not proud of Marjorie for what she did. I'm appalled that someone thinks that that can be considered a change of heart. Sure, can, it, can people have paradigm shifts? Obviously I have over time, but having a press conference to say that something was real at middle age, to me doesn't show humility. And I'm still very much concerned about what her influence will actually be inside government. And this is a perfect time to talk about this because I don't wanna, like I said, I don't wanna go into a lot of politics, but. The, the marriage of religion, specifically Christianity and uh, politics in our country is very much aligned right now. So we are going to dive a little bit into that today. Now, when you look at a Christian publication that says, why are people leaving church? One of the thing, first things they said is because people are shallow. Okay. Uh, and they, they base that on the fact that people don't like the answers that they're getting in church. So you just leave or you're an isolationist, which means that's another a way of saying that you're selfish. So you want to be away from people. So you don't enjoy the camaraderie camaraderie that you get inside church. So I'll also pin that article in the show notes. So you can read that by yourself. Now, 
I've said this time and time again, but it bears repeating because I think it's very important where we are in this point in our history, which is for the first time in American history, we are no longer a religious nation, which means we're no longer a Christian nation. And what that means is that more people now are rejecting religious beliefs and, uh, and, and are out of alignment, out of step with religion and would prefer to be independent, whether that's spiritual, but not religious or just just completely rejecting any kind of spirituality, that is the majority of us now. And why I think that's very important is because right now, as I'm recording this, the Southern Baptist Convention is going on. This is an annual convention of the Southern Baptist denomination. So they choose their leaders. They decide what their agenda is. They're going to decide what they uh, what their priorities are. Now, they've lost millions of members as, uh, as I have all the denominations and instead of looking at these key reasons why people are leaving church, they are going to invest millions to try to plant new churches. So they're going to try to take this model that's broken, that people are leaving by the millions, and try to invest millions into planting new church churches. And even by their own admission, even if they do that, they will still lose millions within five years. Some estimates think, say that they might even be almost 5 million members. That's significant. But what concerns me is that church organized religion, churches are not listening. Because this may surprise you, my friends, I am not anti-organized religion. What I am is demanding accountability for the harm that has been done by religion. But if organized religion, if it became inclusive, and it isn't, there are some, but for the most part, it isn't. And if they became affirming of all humans, it isn't. If they granted women equal rights to, to, to minister and lead, they don't. If they worked on justice and advocacy to fight systemic racism and homophobia and misogyny, but it doesn't. And please don't tell me that church must be separated from politics because first of all, Jesus gave us the roadmap for tying politics to faith. If you remember that little story about Jesus heading right into the center of the temple courtyard and flipping over those money changing tables. Yep, that one. And why did he do it? Because he was angry at a system that was corrupt and it was a moving target and it required that a section of the of people would always have to remain poor. They had no road to getting rising up above their station in life. Because this corrupt money exchange system, which they could never really figure out because it was always they were always changing it so that the people could not figure out how what was the best time or what was their best method for, for exchanging their money so that they could actually purchase things to for their well-being. And it angered him. I believe that Jesus understood that laws must be obeyed when he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But I also believe that Jesus was saying laws were meant to be changed, especially when they needed to address what was good for the whole, not just for those in power who are greedy and corrupt. So the marriage of politics to religion, primarily Christianity, is what we're going to talk about today. This has been uh, to suppress the rights of marginalized groups. That's what we're seeing. And that not many in the church are doing the equivalent of turning over the money 
exchange tables. We're just not seeing that kind of activism. Yes, there are uh, spiritual communities and some churches who are very vocal and very much uh, taking on the role of ad- advocacy, but I'm talking about the the Christianity entirely, what we're seeing as, as far as what you see as the face right now of Christianity, which is tied to American politics. They're using that alliance with politics to suffocate the rights of humans and oppress those who do not look like, love like, believe like, or weren't born in the same country as they were. That I believe is the antithesis of Jesus's message and ministry. So I am recording this right in the middle of Pride Month. And this is the month where we celebrate and honor the sexual and gender authenticity of the LGBTQIA community. One real simple thing that you can do to start your role to moving from an ally to an advocate is be able to say LGBTQ, LGBTQIA+, whatever it is that you become comfortable with, that it rolls off your tongue, just like you're saying your name. You can always know the people who are really speaking their truth if they can even say that. And I'm not saying yes, some of you may be doing a lot of reading, but that's something that you can practice because ultimately you're going to be able to say that and you want to be able to say it as if it's just your your own birth name or or the name that you're using now if you've changed your name. But when when it's about Pride Month, it's also important to note that even though you'll see lots of Pride merchandise as we have in numasoul.com right now, and a portion of our proceeds this month are going to help the Trevor Project, you'll also see lots of parades and rainbow and you'll see glitter everywhere. Because the intent is not only just to celebrate, but it's also to educate, to empower, and to inform. Because the road to where we are today is paved with horrific attacks and homophobia that is out of proportion to the perceived threat if we granted rights, full rights to the LGBTQIA plus community, which is always which is always being at threat. Someone's always working to suffocate those rights. So what do I mean by this? So according to one study that I researched, somewhere around 3.54% of adults in the United States identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. We're talking about around 4% of the U.S. population. The trans people, the transgender people, account for about 0.3% of the adults, 0.3%. And when you talk about teens, it's a little harder because of privacy issues and some uh, children not feeling safe to talk about their their gender or their sexual authenticity. But it's estimated that about between the ages of 13 and 17, there's about 8% that are part of the lesbian, gay, bisexual community. I didn't see much about transgender, so I'm not, I hesitate to report anything about that. But my friends, we're talking then less than 5% of the adults. What are you afraid of? Why is there such a need to be obsessed about the rights of the LGBTQIA community? And I'm, you might think I'm joking when I say, say here, but is it a, do you hate glitter? 
Do you, are you afraid that someone's going to judge you about for your own fashion assortments? Because I mean, I can tell you honestly that I have um, friends in the LGBTQIA plus community who will often criticize and I thank them for it because they do it in such a loving way about some of the outfits that I wear. And because I'm so comfortable with them, because I often, as a woman, have not felt safe in some of my relationships with hetero males. Um, I, I know I speak for a lot of women in that situation where you feel like you're being taken advantage of or objectified. And never have I felt more seen, respected, and loved than when I'm in the presence of my LGBTQIA plus siblings. I love you. So yes, they can also judge my, my, my fashion word <laughs> choices anytime they want. And obviously I'm, I'm trivializing something that is very, very, very important because this is what I want to ask you. If you are still hung up on being hyper-focused on the rights of the LGBTQIA plus community, what part of your spirituality, what part of your spirituality is enriched by your condemnation of the LGBTQIA plus community? What part of your spirituality is better off because of it? And I'll hear often because I'll push back and immediately say that I don't really care where, how your beliefs originated. This is homophobic, whether it, it originates from your, what you were taught or whether it's, whether it was in church or in your home, it's homophobic beliefs. And people will say, well, Rev Carla, Carla, I'm not homophobic. This is God's word. No, it isn't. God's word was mistranslated. It was taken out of context. It's been weaponized. And if you haven't, hadn't been indoctrinated into being homophobic by your church leaders, you probably wouldn't even care that your neighbors are hosting a pride party. And what you'd really want to do is make sure that you got invited because you were probably going to have some really good food and be around some really awesome human beings that I can guarantee you dance better than you have ever danced in your entire life. What you are missing by not being in company of people who celebrate their authenticity that that in turn becomes something that you can also receive because so many of us are walking around with these fake templates where we want to want the world to perceive us in a certain way i think being around my experience has been being around lgbtqia plus humans has taught me to be more authentic it certainly has encouraged me to use my voice and taught me how to be an advocate and to use my skills and my passion to make sure that we are working for a kinder, more compassionate humanity. That's what spirituality is about. So don't talk to me about God's word. God's word also says not to eat shellfish, but I'm going to tell you the Red Lobster parking lot is packed full on a Sunday afternoon after church. And the last time I checked on the tabs on clothing labels, we're mixing fabrics like it's our job. Nobody cares that, that the, we weren't supposed to do that as well. Well, they'll say, Rev. Carlo, those are just Old Testament scriptures. What about what Paul said? You mean the things where the word homosexual was snuck into the Bible deceptively in 1946? You mean those things? You mean where the Greek word that Paul used, arsenikoitai, which is really like a made-up word, it's like a conglomeration of words, but it was twisted to mean homosexual when it was talking about temple worship that included sex acts that often included children. That word 
That same Paul that said, slaves, obey your masters and wives, submit to your husband and be silent in church. That Paul, every one of those verses have been mistranslated or taken out of context. And my friends, we are talking about less than 5% of our population. But the more you become more vocal and homophobic, those of us who are allies are going to become more vocal right back at you because this is one of the most egregious acts of spirituality to continue to keep your hands on the neck of the LGBTQIA plus community for the sake of your religion. It makes no sense. Now, moving on, because I'm already 20 minutes into this, I'm often accused of cherry picking the Bible, but I'm, you know what, I'm going to tell you what, there is not one person who doesn't cherry pick the Bible. There's not one person. If you want to set out to find homophobic patriarchal, white supremacist scriptures that affirm what you believe, you'll find them. You will absolutely find them. But for me, I'm looking for verses that focus on a bigger table of humanity that supports justice and equity for all. And that's what I look for. So when someone accuses me of cherry picking the Bible, I often give them pause because I say, you're right, I do. Because you're hoping to get into a dialogue with me, but I just burst it, burst your bubble and the hope that I'll engage in some kind of online uh, war with you in, in the comments or in the emails or direct messages or whatever. And I'm not going to do that. So I often resist that because it, it, it's not going to, it's a distraction to the work that we really, really need to do. So I want to move into one of the verses that's often used that where the word abomination has been planted. And I, this is a great place for us to talk about how things have been mistranslated in the past. So this came out of a video that I recently saw, and I actually ended up using it for one of my videos on TikTok, so you can find it there, where someone who is gay celebrated his authenticity at the start of Pride Month by saying that he's gay and he wanted to celebrate and be in community with those who are also celebrating. And someone said he was an abomination and you could tell it really hurt him, but he also was pushing out to say, I deserve respect, equal rights and love, regardless of what you think I am. But I stitched. And if you don't know what TikTok is, you, you'd have to figure out what you, you can go look at uh, TikTok to figure out what a stitch is, what a duet is. I'm learning all these things. This boomer has learned so much about <laughs> some of the things that the, the these kids are doing these days in order to stay relevant. Uh, whatever it is about TikTok that I, it certainly was a calling for me to go there and expand this ministry into that. And it's certainly into that platform. And it certainly has paid off for us. And I certainly enjoy all the people that we have met there. But what he was talking about there was this, he accepted their word as the correct translation. And that's where I'm going to push back because as someone who grew up thinking that the King James Bible was the only translation of the Bible that was relevant, that's where you'll, you'll find abomination there in Leviticus 18, 22. And the, and the verse says, thou shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. And what usually happens a lot of times is that when one translation uh, picks up a word or chooses a, a, a word for one of the Hebrew words, the other translations start to, 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 to do that as well. Because, you know, in case you don't know it, there are hundreds of Bible translations out there. And anytime that you're doing uh, some study of, of the Bible, you should really try five or six different verses because it can very much change the meaning of scripture depending on how the, the verse has been translated. 
So the Hebrew word that we're talking about here is toeva. Toeva, I've, I've seen it, um, I've heard it pronounced different ways, but that word has been translated to, to abomination. So it is toeva, it, it is abomination. And you're going to find that word tueva about a hundred times, again, depending on the translation, but you're going to find it about a hundred times in the Bible. And tueva is always referenced in the Bible when it's discussing ritual, when it's discussing rituals, customs, or practices of other cultures or traditions. So it's, it's important to note that this section of Leviticus where you find 1822 is primarily focused on religious ritual and law. Chapters 18 through 20 fall squarely in the section that scholars call the holiness collection. And this focuses around sacrificial offerings, meat consumption, ethical laws, uh, annual observances, and rituals. So the Israelites were getting ready to enter the promised land, and these rules needed to be established so that they would continue to be set apart, set themselves apart from the other tribes and nations so that they would prosper and grow and strengthen in their identity as the, as the Israelites. But many of the cultures and practices at that time implemented temple prostitution, and this often included sex with multiple partners, partners of the same gender, and sadly, even children. This was a common practice. So Levitical law was clarifying in no uncertain terms that the Jews were forbidden because they were set apart from by God. So the Hebrew word tueva, which became abomination in the King James Version, and that's been picked up, like I said, by the other Bible translations. This is a gross mistranslation. It was never meant to imply as what abomination means, which is vile, shameful, or detestable. What it means is not taking part in other people's cultures and practices. So don't take, don't partake in those rituals. It has nothing to do with homosexuality. It has nothing to do with any of that. Now, we just had a class called God is Gay, and I we spoke over an hour. So I, I have to stop someplace or I'm going to go into way too many rabbit holes. Is it, this is going to end up being a two-hour podcast. But over time, we will continue to, to build on this. And we do have some amazing resource guides coming up, one called the Clobber Verses, where I focus a lot on this. And then Reverend Art and I just developed this amazing 11-page resource guide where you can just stop and look at any verse that ever has been called the clobber verses. And those are the ones that are typically used to condemn the LGBTQIA plus community. And we're just going to just give you, empower you and inform you with this wonderful document. So be looking for that at numasoul.com. So when you, when you hear Tueva, it should be translated more like, do not partake in that. Do not partake in temple prostitution. Do not take, do not worship, because that's part of worship, worshiping the God uh, Molech. So do not partake in that. Make sure you're focusing on the Israelite um, traditions and rituals that were being set out, in, especially in Leviticus. And if you, if you go read that, it's very specific about what they could and couldn't do, what they could and couldn't eat, what kind of sacrifices they could make. And that was very specific because they were moving into a place where they were actually going to become a community and a system. So that was very much important that they do that. So. Tueve, Tueva does not mean abomination. 
So that's the reason why I named this. You you say abomination as is, as if it's a bad thing, and it isn't. It's tueva, and tueva means just not partake. And that verse, which is one of the most highly used verse to hurl at people, has been so taken out of context. It has been so mistranslated, and it has absolutely no bearing on the LGBTQIA plus community. Beloveds, there is nothing in the Bible that is condemning you. If you are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, you are not a mistake. You are not a sin. You are a human being. A human being cannot be a sin. You are divinely and wonderfully made. Now, if you are an ally, it is our responsibility as allies to stand up and speak out for our LGBTQIA plus siblings, because never forget Never forget this, unless you are a white, cisgender, heterosexual male, someone somewhere at some point in time did the exact same thing for you. They fought for your rights from ending slavery in this country to the, to the empowerment of women all along the way. Someone has fought for our rights. We are standing on the shoulders of people who risked their life and their livelihood so that we could have those rights. It is our time as allies and advocates to stand up for the LGBTQIA community, continue to fight for equal rights and social justice and equity for all, including uh, Black Lives Matter and stopping Asian hate and the indigenous humans whose land we now stand on, this sacred land. My friends, it's time for us to stay awake. Human rights do not fall into our laps. They are won through blood, sweat, and tears. As we continue to navigate, navigate Pride Month, ask yourself, as Maya Angelou did, how am, how am I using my freedom to help free others? So, beloveds, I hope that you are standing in your gender and sexual authenticity if it's safe for you to do so. If it isn't, just know that we see you and love you and know that your time is coming. And now, beloveds, I'm honored to have shared this space with you. I pray that you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And I'm going to take a moment and pause about how I showed up and how I want to show up tomorrow. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Happy Pride Month. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!